Hello, and welcome to the 68th episode of the iRace We Gamble podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Crum, and I'm joined again by Josh Slimer. Sorry, Crum, I was just waking up because I was taking a nap with Martinsville coming up this weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can only hope that it's going to be better than it was in the spring. But at least you're going to have the drama of the penultimate race of the season to hopefully spice things up a little bit while we're there. Yeah, I, I don't know if we'll see necessarily a good race for the lead, but maybe a good race for the final spot between Byron and Hamlin, if, unless Byron's leading, which he was early this year. But we'll, we'll talk about all that soon. Um, I uh, I did a little bit of racing at Martinsville, but not much, admittedly, because it's usually a kind of a shit show on iRacing. Um, just took the trucks there, did a couple races, for the most part, it was relatively clean and fun, but then there's just a few incidents where you just get caught up in stuff or accidentally get into somebody and people get pissed off. And then it's just too easy to get like a 4X for bumping into someone when nothing even like both trucks were fine. And I get a 4X sometimes. And it's like I, they need to change their system on these really short tracks so that like occasional bumps don't give you such harsh penalties. But um Eventually moved on to ARCA because they were at Nashville Super Speedway and managed to win an ARCA race last night there. So that was really fun. Um, I'll post uh, some pictures and stuff probably on Twitter. So follow us over there at iRaceWeGamble. We'll tell you about all kinds of stuff coming up. And uh, I'll try to share my iRacing adventures. Yeah, and don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us, too. Yeah. Drop us a five. Drop us a five star review. Ask us a question. If you give us a five star review and ask us a question, we'll answer it here on the podcast. Or if you want to give us a good dad joke, as the resident dad, I'll read it on the podcast. Only if it's good. Doesn't have to be clean, but it's got to be good. Um, so do that and definitely follow us at iRaceWeGamble on Twitter. All right, Crum F one. We were in the U.S. of A again. So yeah. what happened? Let me hear it. Um, it was a pretty good race. Uh, I tried to take advantage of uh, Carlos Sainz and the Ferraris qualifying up front, 1-2. Leclerc had a grid penalty, so he ended up like 12th or something. Um, but Sainz started on pole, so I figured he, he was plus 1,500 to win. That's an easy bet in terms of just high upside. Um, thought about hedging on Verstappen, but kind of wanted to see how the race would start. Uh, signs immediately DNF'd in turn one. Uh, he got spun by George Russell as he was trying to kind of cross over Max Verstappen. He seemed like pissed because Russell got into him. Uh, and like he was saying like, oh, I'm trying to battle for the lead and I get run over. And it's like, well, you can't just pretend there's no other cars besides you and Verstappen on the track. So first corner of the first lap, maybe be more aware of your surroundings. I don't know. Um, but still really sad that he got a DNF from it because it seemed like he just got spun out, but it turned out the nose of Russell's car, I think damaged the radiator on the side pod or something. So he was out. Uh, Verstappen looked like he had sort of the dominant car and then a safety car came out uh, at a time when Leclerc hadn't pit yet. So that helped him move up in the order. So then I found him at a good uh, price point. I'm actually going to look. Um, so he was part of my betting profile. Okay. Sorry. I mixed him up with Signs. Signs was plus 470. So not amazing odds, but still decent. Uh, Leclerc was plus 1500 when he got up to like third. 
And so I, I hopped on that. And then he wasn't really making the progress I expected based on the qualifying speed. So then I looked towards Hamilton after Verstappen has a terrible pit stop, pit stop comes out behind McLaren third and Hamilton's leading by like five seconds. So I'm thinking, finally, Hamilton's going to get the W. I'm going to put on my Hamilton gear for the end of this race because I'm a fair weather fan. And <laughs> uh, dropped a few units on Hamilton. And then he got caught with about five to go and passed by Verstappen. So should have hedged with Verstappen. Never, never don't hedge on Verstappen is kind of the lesson I feel like I learned. Um, so lost some units on the F1 race, unfortunately. But it was still a really good race. There was good racing. Um, there was actually a big wreck on the same straightaway where we saw the big wreck in NASCAR last year uh, in the rain. When was it Truex or somebody went kind of in the air? I think. Does that sound right? Do you remember in the yeah. rain? Yeah. Uh, was it Truex and Kurt Busch? I think it was Custer. Custer and Kurt Busch. There was a few cars involved, but in any case, it was on that same straightaway, and it was similar looking because basically uh, Fernando Alonso went to pass Lance Stroll, and Lance Stroll decided to block him. Um, and doesn't make any sense. You're halfway down a long straightaway. You're not going to block him anywhere. Like, he's going to pass you. You give up the spot. Or don't try to block that late, especially. Uh, Alonzo clips the back of Stroll's car and then basically does like a wheelie down the straightaway and then bangs off the guardrail. And I thought, wow, that was scary. Like, hope he's okay. He actually continued racing. Um, and Josh, I know that you didn't have a great turbo result with Alonzo. He actually ended up finishing seventh in the race, but he got penalized because the car after the race, the FIA was like, your car was not safe to drive. You should not have been on the track. And apparently the team complained because they said they didn't get the direct like sort of indication from the FIA that they needed to retire. But I think the FIA is kind of coming down as like, we we know that you know the car was unsafe. So therefore, we're, we're giving you a penalty. So you actually had a good turbo. It just didn't work out because of Stroll and the FIA. So everyone's against you, Josh. I'm sorry. Well, that's kind of nonsense. Don't they have a black flag or something that they can give the team to right. take your car off the track? They, if, I, I, if I'm the team and my car's still running, I'm keeping my car on the track until you tell me to get it off. That's, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's how I would expect it to work, but no. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, that pisses me off a little bit. My, yeah. non, my non-adjusted lineup could have been way better. <laughs> <laughs> it really should have beat me and Sarah, but uh, Sarah actually came out on top this week, despite the fact that we both turboed signs. Um, I, he still worked out as getting us some positive points just because uh, he qualified well, but she did beat me by a few points. Um, and you brought up the rear, but only because Alonzo got screwed over. So um, we'll see how the Mexican Grand Prix goes. Uh, I'll be curious to see if Perez is strong at home. I know he usually has, in general, F1 racers tend to have strong races in their home countries. Um, it's a pretty good track. Should be some overtaking. You can't turbo Perez. He's still too expensive. And uh, I think we talked about it last week with the driver prices changing dra- drastically. And uh, I think you were the one that made the comment that it seemed like maybe they were just catching up to what they should have been doing all year. Like they forgot something in the code, especially based on how great their website works, which is not great at all. Um, because, and, and I think you're right, because this week when I looked at the prices, they did fluctuate more than they typically do, but they weren't to the extreme. So now it seems like they're at the right level of, I guess you could say like fluidity in terms of how easily they move up and down based on results. So I think the current system of how they're 
handling prices is good. It's just terrible that they waited until four races left in the season to basically fix it. I think at that point, you're better off just waiting until the start of next year. Yeah. Speaking of the F1 fantasy, because it might be the only thing that I touch again, do we have any sprint races left in the second half of the season? I don't think we have any left. I think there was one, I'd have to go back and look, but I believe there was maybe three total, and there was one in the second half of the season and two in the first half that have already happened. That's based on memory. I'm still sitting on my Mega Driver for some point. Oh. Hmm. Well, let me double check real quick to make sure. Is Brazil... Oh, no, I'm I'm wrong. I stand corrected. Uh, Brazil, the weekend of uh, November 13th, is when the race is. Uh, There is a sprint on November 12th. Right, so that's the weekend if you're still holding on to your second half of the season mega to use it, and I'm just going to guess to put it on Verstappen. Yeah, probably a safe bet. Red Bulls look strong. I think a lot of people, even Mercedes, have said a lot of their developments looking at next year. Uh, I think they finally decided to sort of scrap their current design, so be very curious to see what next year's Mercedes looks like and whether it's a able to compete with the Red Bulls, but that remains to be seen. And I do agree with you, Josh. I think Verstappen mega uh, at Brazil is probably the way to go. So don't forget to do that. Um, But if you're setting a lineup for this weekend or want to make changes, qualifying is at 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday since they're in Mexico, still in North America. So for us here in the States, uh, it's still at a reasonable time, I guess I'll say. Um, And I don't know if I'll make any changes because I do like my lineup if Signs doesn't crash immediately, which he has had some of the worst luck this year, despite getting his first two poles of his career. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, but Josh, I, before we jump over to NASCAR, uh, I know we talked a little bit of NFL last week. Um, we were talking a little bit before the pod. What are your what are your thoughts heading into what is a week eight now? Uh, yeah, week eight. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very interesting week. Um, Krem, I think I shared this on a on a group text with everybody, but we have only one game this weekend. I, there's only two teams on by, which makes so much sense that the NFL is doing this because I believe there's six on by next week, which is totally totally logical. Yeah. Um, thanks NFL for schedule balancing for all of us enjoyers of the nfl um yes yeah, <laughs> no one's I, gonna have a team next week i've spent this whole week looking for my dak prescott really replacement for next week's bye and i'm like oh maybe daniel jones nope bye week <laughs> oh maybe uh so uh, i think I'm, uh who else was i like oh maybe geno smith i think oh nope yeah. nope bye bye week I, i'm so, starting you know this week so just just nonsense. Yeah. Um, anyway, my Cowboys and your Bills opened up the week at minus 10.5. Really did like both of those lines for them. Um, the Cowboys have actually been uh, bet down to 9.5 now. I'm guessing that's mostly from the info that we're getting that Zeke's probably not playing. I see you got a little note on our sheet here that no Trey White for Buffalo. Not sure they cover. I'm here to tell you that Trey White hasn't played at all this year, so who cares? Um, Buffalo is going to smash Green Bay. That is not a good football team. 
But if you want to get on two of the the heavy favorites this weekend, um, without really risking it, I actually really like a six point teaser with those two teams, mm-hmm. and drop the Bills down to minus four and a half and the Cowboys down to minus three and a half, and tease the two of them together with a six point teaser. That's probably how I'm going to play those. Get the more favorable line, but obviously you have to have them both hit That's for the bet to win. You you parlay those and you get close to even odds, I guess, or no? I uh, it'll. I'm gonna guess you'd be like minus one thirty five on it. That's not bad. Which is, you know, basically what they'd both be on their own separate line. Um, obviously, it makes it a little tougher to cash the bet because you got two teams involved, which is, you know, the whole point of a teaser. I'm yeah. not here to explain NFL teasers to people, though. So anyway, if you want more, DM us at iRaceWeGamble, and I'll, I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> but I, I like the the two of them. And then, Crumb, we're going to disagree on this one, I think. But the Giants <laughs> are underdogs again. They're 6-1. and one. They continuously find a way to win. Both so both the Giants and Seattle suck against defending the run. So if you're looking at DFS plays, uh Saquon Barkley and Ken Walker, both really good options. Probably yeah. can only go with one of those. Um, but don't forget that Daniel Jones is I, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he might be leading all quarterbacks in rushing yards right now. Pretty sure he had 107 last week. He did. Um, I think he's going to be scrambling again. The line has moved from two and a half to three. I am all in again on the Giants plus three. I think they're going to win this game outright. So give me give me the points there. Um, I know you said that you think Seattle is a good team, but I don't. I don't think they're as good as the Giants, and it's really, really hard for me to say this as a Cowboys fan, but I'm going to be all over Giants plus three again. I hate to say it, but I think that's my favorite line of the weekend yet again. Wow. Well, I, d- I do disagree. Not not strong enough to say anything negative about you, but uh, to me, it feels like the Giants are kind of that like undefeated Pittsburgh team from a couple years ago when they eventually lost to the what were then the Redskins now commanders, or maybe they were the football team that year. I don't fucking remember, but, uh, or last year's Arizona Cardinals that started seven and Oh, exactly. They're due for a loss. They're due to get a little bit of humble pie or something. I, it's just, this league doesn't tend to have these long streaks of wins with teams that are not the highest caliber. And the giants are good. I think they're well coached. I think Daniel Jones has taken some good steps. I think Saquon is running the best he has and he's healthy. So, They've got a lot of good pieces. I just don't think they're at the caliber that they're going to continue this win streak, and they're going to have a down game eventually. So I think, you know, maybe it's this week. Maybe Daniel Jones throws a couple picks. I think he's probably due. Um, so, yeah, they, I, I take the Seahawks still, even at minus three. Um, honestly, just because I don't see the Giants continuing the streak for this long. But Yeah, it's interesting to see the line moving the way it is, too, especially with DK Metcalf uncertain that he's going to play. So. Especially yeah. if DK if DK Metcalf doesn't play, then I might be going two units on the Giants instead of one. 
Yeah, it, that's a good point. I may wait to place that bet. Sometimes I place my all my NFL bets like today just to do it ahead of the Thursday night game, um, which, by the way, I take Baltimore money line because it's plus 105 on DraftKings. Give me that all day. Um, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers look like they don't want to be playing anymore. Um, and I, I, I just I think Lamar Jackson pops off and has a great game. Uh, I really, I really hope so for my fantasy teams because he's been a stinker for the last three weeks. Yeah, he's, after back to back fifty plus weeks, he's been just like in the teens. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah, so look for Lamar Jackson to get right. Look for the Ravens to win tonight as we record. You probably can't take this advice because the podcast isn't going to post before the game. But um, hopefully, I'm right, so it doesn't sound foolish. Um, but yeah, I, I'll probably wait until I hear about DK Metcalf before I place that bet. If he's out, I would go, that wouldn't flip me to the giants, to be honest. Um, so I, I'll wait and see on that one. And then I'll, I'll look at the rest of the picks, but I guess I'm worried about the Buffalo thing. Buffalo's way better than green Bay, but it feels like green Bay is another team that's due for a out, you know, a outbreak. My, what am I saying? Breakout. Breakout. <laughs> Rogers and the Packers are due for a breakout. And Rodgers on Sunday Night Football, I just feel like he he could have a good game. I don't think they'll win, but I think they could cover. I think they could lose by 7 or 10. And if you have 10.5 points, that that's enough for me to consider the Packers. I haven't made any decision on that yet. I haven't placed a bet yet. But um, leaning Packers, because I think if Trey White was coming back, it would be that like nail in the coffin. But it's just we're leaving the door open a little for the Packers, I, I'm afraid. Who do you need Trey White to cover, though? Lazard's not going to play. Romeo drops is awful. Sammy Watkins was good in 2014. <laughs> Randall Cobb's not there. Christian Watson has a hamstring injury. You make very good points, Josh. I can't dispute. What are they going to do? Just just dump the ball down to Aaron Jones ten times again? Yeah. It's. I mean, it's their best option, but that linebacking core of the Bills is going to be there. Poyer's still, you know, out there in, in that run support and short passing game. Um, but, you know, like I said a couple minutes ago, if you rather than take the Packers at plus 10.5, I really like the two-team teaser with the Cowboys and the Bills. Drop them down to 3.5, 4.5, pair them together and get your get your one-unit win there. Yeah, I, I'll definitely look at some some of that because I think that's a better way to handicap it um or maybe i'll put together just a parlay for the bills game but usually at least so far this year i've wanted to pick every game against the spread so i kind of want to just continue that tradition along with whatever else um but yeah that's those are my thoughts i guess should we uh move on to uh kyle larson's track i mean homestead yep we absolutely should all right well larson dominated the race um honestly would have been a pretty boring ending had it not been for a caution during the pit cycle from Ryan Blaney spinning himself out on pit exit, which I mean, I've done that in my racing, but he's, he's a professional and I'm not. So uh, <laughs> not sure how, how he let that happen, but you know, it, they talked about it being a treacherous pit exit. Um, it's just, you know, doesn't look good when you're the only guy who screws it up that bad. Um, but that basically gave the 19, the lead. And then Larson was fighting to get back to him. Then another caution came out, I think, for uh, Reddick crashing, which is not... I mean, I did predict that Reddick would either win or crash, so I guess I was right on that. Um, if you didn't pick Reddick for a top three or top five, smart on you. Um, 
but yeah, that that led to uh, pit stop and Truex got spun out on pit road. Josh, I haven't asked you your take of the incident yet, but I'm curious. What are you, what were your thoughts when you saw that? Were you thinking like Larson's taking a cheap shot? The 19s being an idiot. What what did you think? Well, my third, my first thought was, oh boy, the Hendricks guys are at it again. <laughs> um, but then, you know, looking back on it and hearing some more commentary about it, it really sounds like it was a true X issue. He was about to overshoot his pit stall, got on his brakes too hard. Larson maintained pit road speed, got into the back of him a little bit. So at the end of the day, I think just uh, a bad break for the 19, a non-issue from the five, not a big deal between the two of them. And uh, we move on to Martinsville. I think that's really, really the crux of it. Yeah, I, I do agree. Um, I will say it seemed like I heard the on Radioactive, the the radio chatter from the crew chief kind of talking him into the pit box, like three, two, one, that kind of thing. And he didn't seem like rushed or worried. I think Dale Jr. on the broadcast mentioned like Truex didn't seem like he was like, oh, shit, and pulled at the last second. But it was just strange that he didn't leave that sort of fast lane to make his little off ramp. You know what I mean? Like you don't just stay in the fast lane until your exit. You get over a lane and then you get in your pit stall. It's just it was very strange. Unless you want to slow the guy right behind you that you're battling for the lead down a little bit. Well, you run the risk of getting spun out, it turns out, if you do that. <laughs> yep. Uh and I, I was listening to Door Bumper Clear this week, and uh, Brett Griffin, one of the spotters, mentioned uh, that, like, he, I think he said something along the lines of, hey, if you run into the back of somebody in, uh, like, in real life on the road, like, who's at fault? And it's like, well, the person behind. But in real life, you're supposed to maintain a safe distance, and also you have brake lights. So <laughs> it's a little different scenario. I don't think it's really a good comparison. Um so at, four, I, at 45 miles an hour, you're supposed to have four and a half car lengths. Yeah. I don't think anyone's leaving four and a half car lengths on pit road. And rightfully yeah. so. You're just giving up spots. Yep. So, yeah, I think we're in agreement there. Rest of the race pretty much spoke for itself. Didn't change the playoff picture a ton. Um, although the Toyotas were pretty disappointing. Uh, Hamlin was the only one. Well, besides Truex. Hamlin and Truex had a shot, but they weren't on the level of Kyle Larson. Um, and we head into uh, Martinsville with a basically if we don't get a new winner or if we don't get someone who DNFs unexpectedly, uh, you're going to see either the 24 or the 11 in that last spot behind the nine and the one. You agree with that, right? Sure do. Yeah. Yeah. So I would I would like to see it be the 11 because then I think you would have this year's top four teams all with one representative in the final four. I think yeah. that would be cool to see. I agree. It'd be nice to have uh, four distinct teams. And I think uh, Larson is technically still running for the owner's championship in the five car because of the way that the owners and drivers got split with the whole Bubba and Kurt Busch thing. So there's some weird stuff there that like the five is still going to go for a championship technically because he won this past week. But we'll see how that all plays out in Phoenix. Um, yeah, the 45 has got to be pretty much out of that. With yeah, with Nemechek having issues. Yeah, I still uh, real quick before we move on. Nemechek was handicapped way too little at Homestead in every regard. Yeah. It was more expensive yeah. than it should have been. His odds were way too low or high. I don't know how to say that right. Um, like he was plus eleven hundred to win. It's like no shot. And like yeah, he qualified well, but he hasn't driven these cars for a full race. And guess what? First time the tires wore out, he spun it. <laughs> so yeah. 
I just don't I would have considered him around plus seventy five hundred. Yeah, that maybe maybe because right. I felt good. I mean, you know, I was like, you know, I'm just gonna put one long shot in with Almirola at plus ten thousand. Right, which is really good odds for a guy that was actually been running up front lately. Yeah, and in this car for almost forty races. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they'll they'll race for the championship in Phoenix. Um, and there's a there's a show on USA, and I probably gets put on Peacock afterwards. Um, and I, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it yet to you, but it's uh, called Race for the Championship, and it's basically a drive to survive for NASCAR, specifically this season. So the first episode was like the beginning of the year, but they aired it seven or eight weeks ago, and so it's slowly catching up to real time. So the most recent episode I watched was uh, the Daytona race to get into the playoffs between Truex and Blaney and Kurt Busch being out and all that stuff. Um, I will say there is an episode where they focus on Suarez and uh, Ross Chastain and Trackhouse. Very cool episode. So uh, if if you have a way of checking that out, I'd, I'd, I'll send you the episode number so you can watch it. But um, yeah, we can talk more about that offline. But curious if anybody listening has, has watched that, curious what they think of the show. I think it's pretty good. Um, it's It does a better job than most shows I've seen about NASCAR, especially like the documentary style. So. Yeah, I'll take a peek at it. I've got the cock. There you go. Gotta have the cock. You also had to have Larson in your ideal lineup, obviously, since he led all the laps. <laughs> I just looked at... <laughs> I just looked at the laps led, and I think uh, you made a slight edit there. Said he led 1,999 laps. Is that Was that your work? That was all you, buddy. Oh, I just added a nine? Yep. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, it felt like you let a few thousand laps. Yeah, I had a really, really strong draft lineup, but my big issue was I didn't have the five, and you had to. I was able to get a three X out of that lineup, um, wow. but without the five, I wasn't able to do it. You know, I had the nineteen, the one, and the three. Yeah, but I didn't have the five. Yeah, Truex still managed to finish sixth. So, really impressive run from him. Uh, to recover from that pit stop issue. Um, AJ Allmendinger was super impressive. I did not see him coming away with a top three, and he was sort of battling with Ross and uh, Kyle Larson late in that race, which was was pretty good racing for second. Um, and they almost got to Larson, but they couldn't quite get to him. And then uh, Austin Dillon finishing fourth. Did not see that coming, starting 32nd. I just didn't expect that. So Surprising idea lineup outside of... Uh, Maybe Larson and Castain, I'd say. Um, broke even in my bets because at some point in that race, I was like, screw it. I have to hedge Kyle Larson and make my money back because he is way too good. I got him at minus 250. So I had to put 10 units on him just to break even with all my other bets. But it worked wow, out. Wow, they had him minus in a NASCAR race. That's wild. During the race, minus 250. I was like, well, shit, I, there's no one else I want to bet on because he's kicking everyone's ass so yeah 19 was probably the only other one you could have thought about but i'm I'm glad i did not think about it um so broke even tournament barely finished outside the points i had the five and the 18 which were pretty good uh but the 24 didn't perform well the 22 really wasn't a factor which i was surprised by um and then the 38 was kind of my budget pick that i threw in there didn't didn't work out 
but yeah, buy low. Uh, we already mentioned the best contenders. We picked the wrong guys. You had McDowell, who was mediocre. I had Haley. Terrible. That was going into the race before we saw qualifying. So I hopped off Haley to go to Gilliland, but the, the cars in the 30s did not perform well. I'm actually going to look now. Was there any car that was in the, the a 30 number that did well? Let's see. Oh, I doubt it. Or 38. Yeah, there's only three of them, turns out. But I just wasn't sure if I was forgetting one. So yeah, all three of those guys, don't don't look at them. Um, maybe this weekend, we know. We don't know. Uh, we only did the pre-qualifying draft, but Josh won again. He's 15 and 11 on the season, so he's locked up that. He's plus 200 points on the season, so that's about seven points per race that you're beating me by. Guys we missed were just guys we missed. They weren't, that wasn't a great lineup. And uh, post-qualifying, we didn't get a chance to text. We were both pretty busy last weekend. Um, but you are plus 400 points in post-qualifying, which is 13 points a race, but you're only two races ahead. So if I win Martinsville and Phoenix, I can tie you in post-qualifying, but I'm not going to catch you in points. So I guess congrats is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> two in a row, baby. It's very frustrating. I'm heating up by NBA Jam's rules. Right. All right. Well, we're moving on to Martinsville. We talked about it a little bit already. Um, Byron dominated a very boring race here in the spring. Uh, there were some. There was a test session, I think, over the summer at a couple different tracks with Goodyear, and then at Martinsville with some of the teams. They were experimenting with different gear ratios and tire uh, compounds. I think it was, I remember Kyle Busch talking about it. I don't know that it was started from him, but I remember him mentioning the Bristol Dirt package as a potential option for Martinsville. That didn't end up coming to fruition based on the research we did pre-podcast, unless I'm misspeaking. I don't think I am, though. Um, So yeah, we've got 500 laps of Martinsville of hopefully more passing than we saw here in the spring. Uh, 130 lap stages in stage one and two, and then the final stage is 240 laps. Uh, based on what people were saying on Door Bumper Clear and other podcasts I listen to, you're going to see, if you don't see enough tire wear, which is probably going to be the case, people are going to try to make their last pit stop as as early as possible. So if they can make it 150 laps on fuel, they're going to pit with 150 to go. Now, the caveat there is they won't pit under green because you'll lose two laps doing that. So they're probably going to pit at the end of stage one and stage two. Start stage three, and then based on when the caution comes out, they may choose to maybe they'll get tires with 200 to go, and then at uh, 120 to go, they'll refill on fuel but not get tires. I'm just trying to think of all the possibilities, Um, especially when you consider changing tires is an iffy proposition with how difficult they are to get on the car. (laughs) Um, You don't want to have the trouble that we saw Byron have at Homestead. He lost a bunch of spots with a loose wheel that he had to back up and fix. So um, all that said is, are you expecting anything other than, like you said, sleeping on Sunday? Uh, No, no, not really. I'm expecting uh, it to be really not a great race again. And when we do the post-qualifying draft, we will probably be all in on trying to get all 10 of the top 10 qualifiers. Pretty much, yeah. Unless there's a... I mentioned before the before the podcast, uh, unless one of the top 10 is uh, Cole Custer, because I was looking at some short track stats this year, 
And Cole Custer is one of the best qualifiers on short tracks, not counting like Bristol, because uh, I feel like that's a high bank, different kind of track. But Cole Custer's average uh, starting position at Martinsville and Richmond this year is 7.3. So he, he should qualify in the top 10, but his average finish is 23rd. So if Cole Custer qualifies well, do not bank on him finishing well. That's all I'm trying to tell you right ahead of this. So, Josh, I'm giving you a little bit of a tip here before we draft. Don't pick Cole Custer. <laughs> okay, so with my first pick, I'm going to take the 41. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and take my, my lock right off the bat. I'm going to take the one. I don't hate it. He was fifth here in the spring. Um, ran a, a good enough race. I think he's, I mean, if he has the chance to win, he's going to take it, but he has probably enough of a clearance and points where he's just got to finish well. He's been finishing well all season. So I'm just going to, just going to get that into my lineup right off the bat and make sure I have him. I like that pick. Um, he's a he's a good price point for how good he should do and how good he's been doing kind of in general this last ha- few races in the playoffs, like top five guy consistently. So um, I like that. I, I think I'm picking between Chase Elliott and Byron as my lock. Byron being the recent winner, Elliott being kind of the typical favorite at Martinsville. Um, Chase Elliott has had a really up and down playoff. He's had races where he's looked like a dominant car and races where he just runs 20th like Vegas. So I think this is a good, good enough track for him that he at least gets his price point worth of points, which is the most um, at 14,000. So I'm going to go with Chase as my lock. And I I guess I should call him the worm. Sorry. Mispronounced his name. (laughs) Um, so Chase Elliott's my lock. He's going to be my first pick. And then I feel like I should probably just get my buy low because I need to save money right off the bat. Um, I think I start looking at potential drivers at like Justin Haley again at 4,800. I'm a little wary of that based on last week and the fact that he was so much worse than the 16 who finished top three. So I, I like Justin Haley. I, I'll probably go with him if he qualifies well as a buy low, but he's a little scary right now. So I'm going to move off him uh, and I'm going to take Suarez in the 99 at 6,200. I think he's capable of at least getting you a top 10 and that's a really, really good price for that. So give me the 99 as my buy low so far, but I'm eyeing the 31 based on qualifying. All right. I don't hate either of those picks. I was actually kind of hoping you were going to go Byron there because I was going to scoop up Chase. Um, you got Byron now? No, I'm going to actually scoop up uh, Ryan Blaney. Okay. Because he That's is ra- you know, racing for his life. He's going to have to do, do whatever he can to get the win. So I'll, I'll take, that, take that smoke. Um, and then I'm going to dip down and I'm going to grab my bylaw, somebody who did here in the, did well here in the spring. I think it translates to happening again this weekend. Um, he is just slightly higher than your bylaw of Suarez. I'm going to take the three of Austin Dillon and put him right back in my lineup again this week. Yeah. 
He's been pretty consistent. I, I don't I haven't I don't have any numbers in front of me to prove that fact, but it feels like he's kind of one of those sneaky good picks. Um yeah, worth one, out. go ahead. One one win, average finish of fifteenth. But he's got thirteen top tens and seven of those have been top five, so you know, if he's uh, really looking for him to qualify in the top ten. Yeah, yeah. Um his average finish at Martinsville and Richmond this year is 9.7. So pretty good. Uh, average start is 20th. So if he can do that, pull off that start 20th, finish 10th kind of run for that price is probably really good. That's kind of the same thing I'm looking for out of Suarez. Uh, Suarez doesn't even have the same stats to back up uh, that because he has an average finish of 21.3 at those tracks. Although I think that's more of a Richmond skew than anything. Um, just want to go back check martinsville how did he do uh not well at all so now i'm I'm hesitant about that 99 uh yeah yeah, maybe i'll go back and look and see if that was due to outside circumstances or if he was just slow um he gained one he gained one position he started 30th and finished 29th yeah that's that's not what i'm looking for um, so I'm hoping to get the threes performance out of the 99 somehow. Um, I also just realized I picked all nines. My, my lock of the week is the nine. My buy low, sell high is, buy it low, sell high is the 99. Just don't look at it upside down and you're good. Oh no. <laughs> the mark that's, of the beast. That's the devil's lettuce talking. Um, who do I want to pick? Uh, I think. I'm going to go for another buy low candidate because I think I want to spend more money after this. Um, and I'm going to take AJ Allmendinger after how he performed last week. It seems like he's kind of getting his his bearings quite a bit in uh, this next-gen car in advance of him being a full-time driver next year. So, um, yeah, I'll take Allmendinger at only 7200 7, I think that's a reasonable price point for him. Allmendinger... Because you picked Almondinger, I have to just mention this to you. Um, in case we do want to potentially get together for the championship race, Emily has been planning the creation of the Almondinger candy bar. <laughs> because she, th- she thinks his name sounds like a candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> Like an almond and, joy, but it's almondinger. It's gonna be uh, similar to a Snickers, but made more with almond than peanut butter. Yeah. Um, so she's been thinking about it and looking up, you know, nougat recipes and things like that for how she could possibly create the almondinger candy bar because she thinks he sounds delicious. <laughs> I mean, I agree. <laughs> uh, I love that. That's awesome. I'm, I'm very much on board with. Uh, coming over to watch the championship race and eating some almond bears. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to, if if uh, that all goes as planned, we'll have to uh, take some pictures and tweet it at him. Be like, hey, big fans. <laughs> Here, here's, here's your vegan version of candy of your candy bar. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> you all just right. uh, sli- slide into his DMs, tell him we'll mail him a few overnight. He won't mind. I'm sure he'll like it. Bring it, let's we'll just take a trip to Charlotte and deliver him to the race shop. He strikes me as the kind of guy who would actually eat one. 
Oh yeah. He he's such a fan favorite kind of guy. I, I totally think he'd he'd get a huge kick out of it. Um so while we were discussing the Almondinger, I was debating whether to pick up Byron and just go all in on the on the Hendrick uh duo of him and Chase Elliott, because there's there's every possibility that both of them qualify top five and one of the two of them leads a bunch of laps and they both finish in the top five. So I'm going to take the 24, which leaves me with 9,100 left over for my fifth driver, um, thanks to the, the cheaper picks of Suarez and Almendinger. So give me the powerhouse of Elliott and Byron this week. All right. That was going to be my last pick. Um, but instead, I will take the man who was looking to move him in the spring, except for the fact that you can't catch up to anybody on this track. I'm going to take the 22 of Logano here. Good Basically, I have uh, second, third, and fifth from the spring in my lineup right now, <laughs> which I'm fine with because I'm anticipating it being more of the same. Um, then I got two guys who I like here. I it's either the seventeen or the ten. Um, based on the fact that the seventeen is kind of done his little Homer Simpson impression and slowly slid back into the hedges and disappeared, they yeah. got around this lineup out with the ten of Almirola. He's he's decent at these short tracks and. I like the Stuart Haas connection there. I would have liked to have gotten Harvick in here, but can't afford him. So I'll take the guy who I think has the better chance than Briscoe here. I also can't afford Briscoe. So I, I'm good with rounding this out with Almirola. Yeah. What's it, what's his price point again? He's 7,800. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good value. Um, I think, I, I hadn't thought of this until I looked at uh, where Harvick was in pricing, but he is $100 under budget for me. So I'm 100% going with Kevin Harvick as my fifth driver. So I really like my lineup with that with that guy finishing it out. I mean, he was there. Were, I told you before the podcast, there are three drivers among the Richmond and Martinsville races that had a top five driver average, a top five qualifying and a top five finish. And Kevin Harvick was one of those. You took one of them in Ryan Blaney, and then I took Byron. Uh, Logano had two out of three. Chase Elliott had one out of three. So lots of potential there. I think um, I'll be curious to see who we who we put in guys we missed at this point. Because um, I think both of our lineups are pretty damn strong. You've got a Penske lean. I've got a Hendrick lean. We'll see which one pays off. Who is your buy low, by the way? I think I missed that. Dylan. Right. Okay, that makes sense. So I think we got to start with Hamlin. Oh yeah, we have. What do we have? Zero Gibbs in this. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's our first Gibbs pick outside of our draft. Do you like anyone else I, in the Gibbs camp? Uh my. I mean, my next pick for Martinsville would feels like it has to be Truex. I like um, I like him and Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch being two thousand cheaper, but he hasn't. He's in a bit of a lame duck situation. I'm sure he's going to give it his all, but it's just not quite the same. 
So the reason why I might lean going Kyle Bush here is because I also feel like we should just get Larson into this guy's we missed lineup as well. So save some with Kyle Bush and then put Larson in. Yeah, because he's priced way down here as well, but that makes sense because of his you know, lack lack of results here, really. Yeah. He he doesn't he hasn't warranted a, a higher price point at this track, but that lower price point also means it's easier to put him in the lineup. So I, I don't mind that. Um, do you think that was with eighty seven fifty per driver left? Right. That's and that's why I was going to say Justin Haley has a really cheap play. What do you think, or would you not? Would you want to stay away from him so far? Oh, that's tough. And the um, other thing we can do is pick someone we like and then see how much budget we have left. I like the idea of getting Briscoe in here. Okay. Because he's still driving for something. That's a good point. I don't love him here. He did decent in the spring, but just at this point, I want to be heavy on the guys who are actually still trying to get something done. Mm -hmm. If we throw him in, that leaves us with 8,700 remaining. I'm fine with going down to Haley. We could get Reddick in. Kozlowski, Busher, Bubba. I think we should go Almond. Oh, wait, no, I picked Almondinger. I can't go Almondinger. You picked Almondinger, yeah. I'm fine with throwing the 31 on there. All right, yeah. So. I think that makes it a better starting lineup if somebody wants to just like pick up from guys we missed and then make adjustments. You've got 3,900 to play with. Um, maybe look at this lineup after qualifying and look for the odd man out in terms of who didn't qualify well. Uh, maybe swap them out with somebody. That's that's the way I'd probably treat this lineup. Yeah, I agree. All right, so lock that in for guys we missed. 11-5. 18, 14, and 31. I like it. It's a nice little jumping off point, and then you can mix in guys that we drafted into that lineup too if you want. Yeah, for sure. Um, I if you do... don't like Kyle Bush, you could go up to Truex. Mm -hmm. Very true. So you've got some wiggle room there. I, uh, I do have a, a cash lineup that I put together uh, the other day. I guess yesterday, um, that had the Byron from my lineup, Suarez from my lineup, Dylan from your lineup, Ross from your lineup, and Logano from your lineup. So literally a lineup I made yesterday contains all drivers we picked in this draft. Uh, and then if I look at my early tournament play, I went with a heavy Hendrick approach, which was Chase Elliott, Byron, and Larson with Almondinger and Haley. So it's all Chevys. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that, that's obviously very subject to change based on qualifying. I just figured I'd throw some things together. So um, that's what I'm looking at going into the weekend. We got a we got a spooky race at Martinsville. It's uh, did you see Kevin Harvick's um, sponsor for this week? I have not. The only uh, paint scheme I've seen so far has been Kyle's. Yeah, he always does that style of paint scheme for this race, which I like. Um, but Kevin Harvick's sponsor this week is Bush Light. <laughs> it's, it's literally bush light, but the first three letters are boo, B-O-O. -O. It's great. Makes <laughs> sense. 
So hopefully some some more fun paint schemes. We'll probably still see some uh, some pink on some cars. It's still Breast Cancer Awareness Month and all that. Um, so you'll probably see some pink and some spooky cars out there on the track. But hopefully it's a better race than the spring. I mean, if you can't move a guy out of the way at Martinsville, I, what are we doing? You know? Yeah. That's what Martinsville is all about. Exactly. All right, Josh, what are we, uh, what are we looking at weather-wise? Is it at least going to be warm enough for the trick-or-treaters at Martinsville? Uh, it'll be okay for the trick-or-treaters. They won't need their winter coats on underneath their costumes anyway. That's good. Uh, but we are going to have low temps, low tire wear, high grip, and I am guessing, again, breaking, you know, just the record on repeat. I think it's all adding up to being a very, very boring race again. Uh, we got 61 degrees as the high with cloudy skies. All right. Well, um, hopefully we see some good racing. We're not holding our breath, obviously, but um, we'll see. And uh, we'll catch you next week after the race to talk about how well or not well it all went. Hopefully we'll get a treat and not a trick. Hey, that's right.